welcome to the Her Sports Story podcast. Former athletes, if that's you out there, you have found the right place. In this podcast, we interview phenomenal former female athletes on their journeys out of sport and into the next chapters of their lives, chasing their dreams while always still embodying the athlete mindset. Because I think once we're an athlete, we're always an athlete. I'm your host, Bethany Crouch, former competitive and collegiate gymnast of 15 years turned athlete advocate professional, and I'm so happy you're here. Please engage with this community on Instagram at HerSportsStory, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Her Sports Story podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Madeline Barlow. Madeline has an educational PhD in psychology of human movement with a specialization in exercise and sports psychology. She is a life after sports success coach and even serves as a sports psychology coordinator for Drexel University. Now, she has an amazing perspective on her exit out of sport and how she had such a visceral experience when she swam her her last race and felt as a piece of her had died. And we know as former athletes that that is a very real experience to have. Uh, But we talk about her journey. We talk about how she works with athletes during this time and everything surrounding making that transition into life after sport. And she provides great insight. And I will be sure to put in the show notes her Instagram, her website, because you will definitely want to connect with Madeline after hearing this conversation. Madeline, we are so excited to have you on the Her Sports Story podcast. What has been really cool over the past couple of weeks is getting to know you through the Her Sports Story Zoom calls. And when I put, I think the first or second kind of like call out, you're like, can I join? And I was like, uh, yes. And it was so cool. And this is how we started our, our connection as far as in person, if you will, or over Zoom, <laughs> getting to know one another face to face. And it's just been an absolute pleasure. And we had a chance to talk, I think last week, was that last week? And we could have talked for hours, obviously, about all of the things as it pertains to the athlete upbringing and conditioning and totally not being aware of the way the athlete life kind of shapes you and some of the effects that it has even now, like as a athlete out of sport for a couple of years. So thank you for being here. I'm so excited for you to introduce yourself to the community. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It has been so wonderful connecting. Um, and I do think, you know, in this time, this unprecedented time, um, while we may have connected in other circumstances, 
it's also possible we may not have. So mm -hmm. I appreciate that opportunity and it's been really great so far. So thank you for having me. Uh, of course, of course. So I'm really excited for our community to just get a background and a little bit of story because the way you talk about your sport and ending your sport is so real and then how that transitioned into you studying psychology and everything that you do now. So I'll let you kind of pick wherever you want to start and whatever you feel like you want to communicate about your sports journey. Sure. So I was a competitive swimmer my entire life. It is really the only sport I ever did besides a two-month stint as a field hockey player back in eighth grade. That was about it, um, which had, had its moments. It was pretty fun, too. But overall, I started swimming when I was eight. Um, it wasn't really a planned thing. I'll never forget that I went to, you know, do swim lesson tryouts, basically. And once I got home, I, or my mom, I got in a phone call from the head coach uh, asking her if I would like to join the swim team because he thought I would be good at it. And that was really the beginning of that. Um, that coach is, you know, wonderful. Coach Bob Mag, I'll never forget him for what he did. So I started when I was eight in a more structured way and did, you know, the club team um, when I was younger than a high school team plus club at the same time. So that was a wild ride as well. And that led me to swim in college. I went to Bloomsburg University, which is uh, a division two school, more or less in the mountains of Pennsylvania. Um, and I swam all four years there. I qualified for NCAAs. I was a team and individual record holder. And it was, you know, overall, a positive experience with its trials and tribulations, some more challenging than others. And in time, you know, I, I, I definitely identified as a swimmer. Swimming was who I was uh, for so, so long. Slowly those layers started to peel back uh, because again of some of those trials and tribulations. Um, but when it came time for my senior year of swimming, I was very clear on my goals, maybe a little too zealous about, you know, the, the number or the outcome, um, because it was something that I could, I thought I could attain, which was winning, which as a mental performance coach, we try to help athletes release the outcome and focus more on the process. But, you know, um, hindsight is 2020. <laughs> Let's say that. So yeah. I got a little, little too focused on that, I'll say. Um, but if I had done my best, it was very, very possible that I could have swum another race. Uh, so my swimming career might not have been over. And I was very, very hopeful about that. So in the moment that I did touch the wall of the 100 butterfly and instantly looked at the, the clock, mm -hmm. the board, yeah. and I knew in every ounce of my body that I hadn't done that and that it was over um, very quickly. And in that same moment, it was as if a piece of me had died. Um, it was such a visceral response, something that was very uncontrollable, um, had, had no control over 
what, what came over me. It was wild to say the least. Um, but truly something had left in mm-hmm. that moment. Yeah. And, and I know that happens to, to some, some people as well, not everyone, but, mm-hmm. but some. And so that experience was personally traumatic in a sense. And from that, you know, it was, it was an interesting ride the next few years, kind of hiding, hiding that or pushing that down, bottling it, we may say, um, trying to move forward. Okay, it's over. Let's move forward as the, the mentally tough athlete may (laughs) attempt to do in many other ways, but it did lead me, um, like you said, like you mentioned, to do some more with psychology or human behavior. Um, But at first, avoiding sports psychology. Sport was something I wanted nothing Mm. to do with. Yeah. And that was interesting. That's really interesting. But I think that it's a total normal response to... Yeah, because it's almost like, you know, you uh, explain it like a piece of you had had fallen away or died. And a lot of us also explain it as like a breakup. So it's kind of like, you know, the whole concept of, you know, when you're getting over someone, you're hopefully not checking back on their Instagram a ton of times or, you know, just being being able to separate yourself for that healthy distance so that you can eventually move on. So I think it's a totally a coping mechanism and a way of protection for our hearts, you know, to, to do that, to create some space. And yeah, whenever I have the opportunity to talk with athletes about that, you know, they're like, Oh, I'm still going to be involved. I'm like, okay, that's great. But there might be a point where you're not feeling it anymore. Sure. It feels like you need the space. So I'm interested in like how long did you, I guess, avoid sport psych or, or put that, that distance um, there? Yeah, that's a great point. So that space is, is going to be different for everybody. Like you're saying, um, I love that, that analogy back to your relationship because it, it's a very similar process. Again, death, loss, it, it, relationship loss. It's all very similar. It has a a grieving process. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, I want to say it was probably about six months or so. Um, Now the space was somewhat impossible for the first three months simply because I was still at school. You know, swimming ended uh, closer to March. So March to May, um, I was still around my teammates, still at school. But I did my best to avoid the pool. <laughs> Let's say that. I didn't, I didn't go back to the pool um, whatsoever. I don't even know, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't even know if I like, went up and said goodbye mm. to the pool. Mm-hmm. I, it might sound a little silly, but I know some people will. They'll, they'll go to their field, their pool, their et cetera. Yeah. And like, okay, this is the last time I'm going to be here in this capacity. Right. So... I don't think I did that because I, I couldn't mm. or I didn't want to. I don't know. Um, but it was definitely about six-ish months um, where, you know, I moved 
for school, I moved to North Carolina. I went to the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. So by the beach, which was lovely. I'm missing that today. Um, very much so. But, uh, and I went down there. I also experienced a bunch of other losses in that time frame, which added to this yeah. experience. You know, um, unfortunately, one of my good friends from when I was in high school swimming uh, had committed suicide. Mm -hmm. um, which was my first experience with that. That yeah. was extremely challenging. Um, in addition to my childhood dog passing away that summer, my mm. first dog passing away. And then in time, I broke up with my boyfriend as well. So lots of yeah. that yeah. in that six month period. Um, and it's possible that that is actually what led me to want a little bit of normalcy back. Mm -hmm. So I had a friend on the swim team down there and I went to see her swim. So that was the first time I'd been in a, at a pool in six months and it opened the door a little bit, which was interesting to be in the stands as a spectator. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's very different. It's, it's really weird. It's almost like you feel a little bit or at least when I had that moment, I feel a little bit out of place. I remember going one time and like, cause I worked at the university that I competed for. I'm like, who do I sit with? You know, and just having like these really silly um, thoughts, but they, they impacted me. And then to be on the other side and, and to be, because I would say I was okay with it, but it's still such a different feeling. And that that experience that you're talking about of like going back to the pool or the field to say goodbye, I would say that my experience, uh, I I walked away because of injury. So a lot of a lot of gymnasts when they were done with season and like retired per se, they would go back in the gym and just like have fun. They would like, you know, and this is usually when they would like throw like the, their greatest skills and we're like, what <laughs> you could, you know, just yeah. cause that pressure is released and whatnot. Mm. Um, but I remember being in the gym and just standing there looking at everything and being like, why? I don't know if I really need to be here. Like just having one of those moments, you know, I knew I was technically done, um, but there was always that kind of tradition that you'd like go back and, you know, do whatever you want just like play around on the equipment or just do something fun. And I, yeah, I literally, I just, I, that's my, one of my vivid experiences is sure. watching it. Uh, watch just taking in the gym and be like, what am I doing? I don't like, I didn't feel the call to, you know, maybe do another skill. I had done everything that mm. I had needed to do in that time. Um, so I'm, I'm so glad I get to hear this part of your story. Cause even through us connecting, you know, we talk, sometimes we, we jump right into all these topics that we could talk forever about, uh, which we will hear soon, but to hear your story and to hear the journey and the loss and finally on the, going through these experiences that you did, wanting 
wanting this normalcy and that these experiences very well might have been a part of your journey for that reason Mm -hmm. that lead you to studying what you did um, and at the level that you did it at. So, Sure. Yeah. And, you know, while, while the experience of something traumatic is never, you know, I never want to think of that as your, your karma or your something that you needed to experience to Mm -hmm. move forward. Cause I, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't resonate with that necessarily. Um, however, it was my experience. That's what happened. That's what it felt like. Uh, that separation is what I needed. Right. to in time and, you know, moving forward. Yeah. It, it took seven years for yeah. me to fully. And sometimes it's not even fully. Sometimes there's still moments mm-hmm. where those feelings come back up because they will. Right. You know, it's, that's just very normal. That's, that's, it's valid. That will happen. Um, you know, where no one's immune, no matter what you study, no matter what you, how you work, yeah. no matter what you do, Mm -hmm. Uh, There will always be things that come back up for you in different ways. So, you know, it did take many, many years for me in that space and time to recognize my new found passion because for so long, swimming was that. Right. Swimming was my passion for so long, but the breakup, as we said, (laughs) was, was traumatic enough to, you know, just, just lead me to something different, to different beliefs, um, new vision, new perspective. Uh, it allowed me to see those things that we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah. So your journey, as far as, you know, you went to undergrad and you went on to grad school, was your program master's and then uh, doctorate or was it kind of like an all-encompassing program? Sure. Um, So yeah, so like I said, when I needed that separation from sport, um, that's part of what led me to the decision to go to UNCW and study just general psychology. Mm, Um, So, you know, my master's thesis was in the fields of social and personality psychology Mm-hmm. With with little things that came in and um, after the fact, I actually was able to recognize how they kind of connected to what I ended up studying moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still felt very like its own thing, separate of sport. Um, you know, my advisor had no no research, no knowledge of sports psychology, so mm-hmm. that was an interesting two year separation. But it was in that time and space that I did feel like something was missing. Um, It it, it did come up again in that gap. Yeah. I gave myself that gap, whether I knew I was giving it or not, I had it. And so it was in my second year where I really started looking into sports psychology programs. Um, did I always think I needed or wanted to get a PhD? Not necessarily. <laughs> and some days I still am like, huh, yeah. I, did I do that? Really? Wow. <laughs> um, but it just seemed like a natural progression mm-hmm. at that time 
So, you know, I, I applied, I, fig- I found some more clinical programs that had sports psychology research, et cetera. Um, but I ended with being, and I'm, I will be honest, you know, the programs that I was accepted to, I was waitlisted. I was not accepted into, which is fine. Cause that's what happens. Great. Um, another really great learning experience of how to navigate something like that was really important for me. Um, and that's when I was able to connect with my future and now former (laughs) supervisor, um, Dr. Michael Sachs, who's wonderful speaking with him today, actually, which is great. I'm excited. Um, and he is at, or was, he will be retiring, uh, at Temple University in Philadelphia. Oh, wow. And that's where I ended up. So for my PhD in the psychology of human movement with a specialization in exercise and sport psychology. Mm, so good. I think that your, your journey, it definitely has. And when we talk about at least advice for athletes right now, you know, mm-hmm. the, the space is okay. And like stepping away from the sport space is totally fine um especially for those athletes that have had to retire not on their terms right sure and sometimes it's never on our terms you know no matter what's going on in our world but yes this is a very interesting time with with athletes that that have to move on So I think hearing your, your story and your journey through, like, it was space and it, you know, it wasn't space for a year. Like you definitely took your time through it and pursued other interests. And so that space allowed you to, to recognize that something was missing or that something did still have a tug to your heart to go pursue it. So I, I love that part of your journey. And of course, love that you ended up getting your PhD in sports psych. I mean, it's just so, it's so cool that you did it. And now you have the opportunity to work with athletes, both in, I would say, like a traditional like school setting, and then also through your own um, kind of like success coaching that you do as well. So it seems like this this beautiful journey, and now you're at this point where you've you have the opportunity to to do your I don't know your gift really mm-hmm. because uh, obviously through this and talk through talking with you, and I'm sure everyone can kind of pick up on it. Like this is definitely something that it's it's your gift, and that you can hear it through your voice and how you talk. Um, so with that, you know, and with your experiences currently working with athletes right now, going through this time, what's maybe some, some guidance uh, you've been giving them as these themes are coming up? Sure. Yeah. So right now really is, again, I I don't want to overuse the term, but unprecedented is just what Mm -hmm. it is. Yeah. the fact of the matter. Um, and like you mentioned, you know, I do work with current athletes who will be returning 
mm. whenever that may be, we're currently unsure. Right. Um, but athletes that will be returning and are now faced with the challenge of being apart from their team for an extended period of time, being apart from their coach, um, having some overall challenges with, with motivation, purpose, um, goals, you know, goals with no start date in sight. There's some really big challenges that mm-hmm. you would not face in normal, normal circumstances because going home for the summer is very different than what's happening right, right. now, clearly. Um, so in terms of that group, just want to speak to them first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have really been highlighting as a whole. So I work with, you know, what we call a performance team, which is really wonderful. You know, our, our team or sport dietitian, our strength and conditioning coaches, the athletic trainers, sports med people. And it's a wonderful collaboration where we're able to really highlight the importance of connection mm-hmm. um, because connection is, is something that's a basic human need, you know? Um, but as athletes, you kind of already have that automatic connection yeah, built in, in a way, like from the moment you join a team, um, these individuals not only become your teammates, but something that was brought to my awareness just the other day is that these people become your family. And I don't know how I had never thought of this, <laughs> so, but it was brilliant. They become your family and now you're being forced mm-hmm. away from those people. Now, just like any family dynamic, some of that separation may actually be healthy. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's say that. Yes, um, but overall, we want that familial connection and just feeling that we get. So, so finding ways now, um, clearly over Zoom is a way, and I've had really wonderful connections as we talked about already. Um, but finding ways to stay connected, engaged, and slowing down a bit even. That's hard for the athlete. <laughs> That's hard to slow down. Yep, right. <laughs> um, but, but finding a way to slow down and even breaking up your goals. So, okay, great. You know where you want to be whenever the season starts, but where do you want to be a week from now? Where do you even want to be by three days from now? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really useful for the current athlete facing this, this situation. Yeah. To have the, and I had the opportunity to kind of talk with our sports psychologist over at Sacramento state about Mm -hmm. like these, these wins. And we actually talked about it on the zoom. The last zoom we were on, it was Mm -hmm. celebrating these smaller moments or these smaller wins and we both were like you know have the thought that smaller may not be the best word for it but having these incremental um, goals that you meet and you achieve because we're all achievers um, and celebrate it and it gives you the little bit of that reassurance and boost Mm -hmm. like okay I did that that was great go me Um, that is a win and mm-hmm. identifying those those wins, even through 
what we would consider maybe like normal parts of life, right? Sure. Like the the athlete in the athlete mindset, wins aren't defined as usually as um, I did really like 20 minutes of self-care today or mm-hmm. I, I finished that, that homework assignment on time, <laughs> you know, Sure. So, <laughs> just like breaking it up into that. So I, I really appreciate that, that insight for our, for the current athlete out there that probably feels a little bit overwhelmed and looks out at the landscape of things and it's daunting Mm -hmm. right super daunting so to break it up into into pieces to have the three-day goal to have the week to have the two week to have the year or even five year and because we will like there's going to be another side to this like life will may not ever return to I would say complete normalcy because I think in this interesting time we're learning we're learning lessons or we're sure we're reflecting back on what's really important so we will take things from this but at some point you know you you might be back in school you might be back on a field you might be reaching for a career goal or an education goal um, or you might just have the opportunity to really do some soul work during this time and be able to reflect back and be like that's when I figured out I really love drawing, you know, or I really love, I love just being in nature and having that appreciation or I got into photography with my iPhone, (laughs) like, you know, and all of those are just as important. So I love that. Yeah. Now for our, for our former athletes or our our athletes that are now having to move on. Mm Mm-hmm without the, you know, the closure that they probably had in mind. What are some guidance that you've been providing them with? Yeah. So this one, of course, um, already has its challenges Mm -hmm. (laughs) simply, um, as a byproduct, as we were talking about of, of the loss and potential grief that Mm -hmm. comes up. But the other challenge right now for those individuals in particular that have been faced with this abrupt and unplanned end to their career, um, the, the main challenge is the lack of space right now, the lack of gap, mm. because it is being filled in by not only this global pandemic and the trauma and stress of that, but also just all these adjustments that are already having to be made. Um, You know, potentially being back at home with family, which granted, while that can be wonderful, it's not where they were meant to be right now. Mm -hmm. Um, The the change from in-person classes to being online and what that looks like, being at your computer all day and being filled, inundated with information. Um, and not only from class, but, you know, the moment I go onto my Instagram and everybody's going live and everyone is putting stuff out right. so much. So again, I think there's, there's positives from that, but it's still, we're being filled, filled to yes. the brim yeah. with information. So these individuals may not notice the, again, the gap, 
They may not be able to feel that yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the meantime, I will actually take some uh, some similar thoughts from what I spoke to for the current athlete that will return. Mm -hmm. Is using this time to see if you can connect back to yourself in a way. Um, Because often that gets overlooked when we are competing in a high level, high performing way. Mm-hmm. Um, that basic, and it's not that basic actually, but, but simply connecting to oneself is a challenge. So seeing how you might be able to do that, which involves learning and understanding silence even, mm-hmm. which can often be a little scary. For, you know, I know for myself, silence is, is hard. It's not an easy thing. Um, yeah. But challenging yourself to, to sit with that um, or to learn from someone who can show you how to sit with that in this time is a really good first step to building self-awareness and, again, connection to self. Mm, yeah. Okay. I think we, again, we have, because of the, the work that we do, we've had a chance to kind of talk about this, but that right now in this space, like they're being in a day with school, like wrapping up stuff. And at some point the school part will end and then it'll be just this whole other interesting chapter of of finding out and discovering what is next because as athletes and humans like we're always progressing where if we're not progressing then we feel like you know we're not definitely not doing something or we feel feel stagnant right yeah yeah Yeah, the stagnant and that for especially for athletes that Mm -hmm. that bothers us so it will be, I think it's such good advice that right, right now, no one expects you to just like, just crush it, you know, sure. to get the job to, you know, it's such an interesting landscape right now. And yet I'd argue that even if nobody outside of us expects that, mm-hmm. the athlete may expect it of mm-hmm. themselves. Right always been that way yeah so that could that's another challenge that Mm -hmm. these individuals could be facing right now right so I think when we've chatted it's like there's it's okay to be in this and as you put it like it's it's uncomfortable to athletes to be in this space to be in this silence Mm -hmm. but it's totally Okay. And at least from a former athlete, from, you know, someone like yourself with, with your background, we understand that this is going to be just, just challenging in itself. It's already challenging trying to go out and and leave your sport and get a job and Mm -hmm. transition, but this is going to be a whole nother layer to that, but to address it in a way that's, um, because as athletes, we're like, where's the timeline, right? Everything is step A, step B, you know? And now 
you have this fluid kind of space and it's gonna be uncomfortable, but it's going to allow you the time for, for that self-reflection. Mm -hmm. It's going to allow you the time to hopefully recognize that your thoughts are like, oh, I'm supposed to have this job or you know, I'm supposed to move on and be an adult, but recognize the, the landscape of the world and to have grace for yourself. And that, yes, you know, this is no one knows or has the perfect answer to this time right now. No right. one, right? Absolutely. So to use it as best as you can in the void, like mm-hmm. it's going to be a little bit of a void uh, for them. But I thank you again for sharing what, you know, you've been guiding some of your, your athletes. Cause I, I know that if it's, I know it's probably being discussed right now a lot, but I truly believe like after they graduate and after school ends that that's when that next challenge will, will come. So, and we'll feel more, we'll feel more finite, more concrete. Um, yeah. So yeah, again, it's, it's hard to really recognize if you're feeling like what you're feeling in general Yeah. until you feel the gap. Mm. Um, so, you know, putting it that way, I, for anyone listening, I don't want it to sound overtly scary and yet yeah. it can be. Right. It, it can be. Totally. And so yeah. like, that's okay. You know, it's, it's okay. And especially as an athlete, you know, you faced you faced plenty of, plenty of things that have been quite scary mm-hmm. and challenging. Um, so using that perspective could be really useful and that resilience, you know, yeah. resilience is probably the number one characteristic that I feel we have the potential to, to gain as being an athlete, yes. you know, resilience to fail and to get back up and try it again. Um, is really is really brilliant because there's no athlete out there that hasn't failed at least once. It's just not a thing. No, it's not. Even Michael Phelps has right. failed. And we've all seen it. <laughs> yes. And he knows we've all seen it. So, but, but then he got back up. Right. He got back up on the block and did it again, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. So, so using, using that, that characteristic, that trait that you've developed in this time is going to be something to use to their advantage. Um, but also recognizing that, that asking for help is absolutely okay too. Yeah, right. And I think this ties into, you know, a little bit of what, when we talked on the phone the other week, and it's so funny, when you get on a podcast, like it, it just, or at least for, for me, it just, it goes in the way that it's meant to go. But we'll we'll touch on this a little bit here, and we're definitely going to have a whole nother podcast later on (laughs) about this subject. (laughs) But but that as an athlete, you're conditioned to where like asking for help is challenging, or that you know you have a sense of pride, and if you seem vulnerable, that you know it's not okay. And Mm. so sport has shaped us to have these characteristics that were, you know, good in some aspects, but now outside of sport, mm-hmm. unpacking those, 
Um, because as you, you kind of put it really nicely is that we sometimes override, we override the, the thought of like, oh, I should ask for help or like mm-hmm. we override the thought or the feeling like, no, I have to grind it out. I have to get this, get this done. So talk to that a little bit sure. because this is probably already happening with our, especially with our athletes that are just kind of still wrapping their head around the realization that, okay, sport is over and they're going to be coming across each challenges. Um, so yeah, what are, what are your thoughts around that, that concept that you speak to? Sure. So as, yeah, as you mentioned, and it, it, when we break it down, it makes so much sense. It's just not always something we are having our awareness or we think about um, until after the fact. Mm-hmm. And why would we <laughs> necessarily? Yeah. But, but as an athlete, and I can also speak to my personal experience with this, you know, as an athlete, we, we do learn to push through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had a recurring shoulder, you know, swimmer shoulder because, you know, hashtag swimming. That's right. it. There's no other reason. There's no, that's it. Like, swimming for 15 years. That's just yeah. how it is. Um, but you know, it took me a number of years in college to recognize that pushing through was not something I actually wanted to be doing, mm. but I did it yep. because of the culture of sport, the culture saying, you got to be tough. Yeah. Right. Push through that. Because if you, if you don't push through and you don't do the most, you won't be enough. And in time, I actually was able to recognize that I, I did need to rest. I did need to stop and listen to my body. But then I got pushed back from, from my mm-hmm. team, coach, et cetera. That's, and that's often how injury goes on, in team dynamics. So that's one example of how we learn to push through or override our yeah. body's wants and needs. The cues of your body that knows your body knows. <laughs> your yeah, right. body knows what it needs just instinctually. Um, so, but, but athletes, they just push it to the side, push it down um, because, oh, I don't want coach to know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't want my, my teammates to see that. I don't want them to see me skipping or stopping or whatever you want to call it. Um, And yeah, reaching out for help and letting someone know that you're hurting in whatever way, shape or form you're speaking to, whether that's a physical injury or, um, you know, again, hurting in in a mental health way. So we can go all the way to that extent or simply just feeling, feeling in a, like a rock in a hard place sometimes (laughs) is a really big challenge because of the culture of be mentally tough. Strength means push through. Mm -hmm. So in life after sport, um, while it may serve some people, it absolutely may, which is great. Yeah. Uh, The majority of people that I I speak to, though, are on the flip side of that. It's no longer serving them. Um, Just like it no longer served me to just cover everything up and to not actually stop and do, like, I love how you said the soul work. That's Mm -hmm. exactly what it is. 
Um, so the other thing though, I do want people to consider around this topic is while you may say that you don't need help, you don't need guidance, you had a coach your whole <laughs> life, right? Yes. You had a coach, you had that guiding figure. Um, and so that doesn't mean that you can't do this on your own, but it will be a much more beautiful, positive process when you are working in relationship with someone just like you did with your coach, mm -hmm. who I know for so many people, you know, oh, coach is like my second dad or my second mom. This is my, again, this is my second family. It's, it's that type of dynamic. Um, so having that mentor figure in particular in this time when there's so much happening, that can be an extremely useful display of strength. Yes. So uh, that's on that. <laughs> I think that's such a good note to kind of wrap up on because it is that thought that, you know, you look back on your sport and you're like, without my team, without my coach, then what was I, what was I doing? Like you just, would you just go to the pool and swim for by yourself, all by yourself? You know, like. Absolutely not. I right. will tell you that. It wouldn't have happened. I would have been in bed right. every morning until 9 a.m. Uh-huh. I know. <laughs> so I think it's so good to put it in that, that frame of mind. Like, oh, this is a pretty cool thing that once you, one, you got to be a part of sport, okay. but two, that successful organizations try to implement these implement what a team looks like especially from a sport setting right and some of the most successful people attest to the mentors that they had so mentor being like a coach yeah right um, no i think that's a perfect perfect way to kind of um put a bow around our conversation yeah. today and I would love for you to share where the community, where athletes can come in contact with you. Yeah, absolutely. So we're speaking to coaches and mentors. So Bethany, as you mentioned earlier, um, I am a life after sports success coach. Uh, and so you can find me in a couple places. Um, Instagram, so at madeline.m.barlow. Sorry for all the dots, but felt like it looked kind of funny without those dots. <laughs> so I like that. I go with that for now. Um, so that's my Instagram, uh, where in my bio, you can also find my Linktree account, my Linktree link with lots of beautiful information, um, including something that I'd love to just plug really quick, which is my success after sport starter kit which mm -hmm. speaks to all that we're doing, all that we're talking about here. Um, you know, really stopping to reflect in this time and to identify your strengths or as I call them, your superpowers. Yes. So it's a perfect time for that. But all that can be found on there. My website's madelinembarlow.com, nice and easy. And otherwise, I also have a Facebook group. I think that's the final thing we can talk about growing this really slowly but surely growing this community on Facebook 
where we can come together again in, in relationship and connection with one another to just speak to some of these experiences and you know, play off of one another's wisdom that we get from our own unique experiences. So that's the Life After Sport Facebook group, nice and simple. Oh, I love that so much. That's the first time I think I've heard of it. So I'm so yeah. excited for you. And anyone listening, if you feel at all kind of like a little little ping to, to check it out, you should. Because obviously from this conversation, you can hear Madeline is phenomenal. She's grounded. She understands um, that transition and, and did her whole dissertation around it. So she's very well <laughs> Um, but I am just so glad that we connected and I will of course put all this information in the show notes as well. Awesome. Anyone can go through and, you know, get it straight on their phone, but thank you so much for, for spending time with me this morning. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And thank you for this wonderful conversation. Again, it really highlights the value of connection and what we can get to, what we can speak to in really authentic forms of communication. Mm -hmm. So thank you for having me. Of course.